Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with a truly innovative cast of characters, the Memphis Jug Band. Armed with razor-sharp wit, guitars, fiddles, kazoos, empty jugs, harmonicas, and a bass crafted from a wash tub, Will Shade and Company recorded over 100 songs from 1927 to 1934, covering everything from local politics to day-to-day life in the African-American epicenter of the South, Bill Street in Memphis, Tennessee. Here's their story. Beale Street could talk, if Beale Street could talk, a married man would pack up his bed and walk. So wrote W.C. Handy in his 1917 hit, Beale Street Blues. Ten years later, Beale Street could talk. Its voice belonged to a ragged ensemble of guitar pickers and ballroom poets known as the Memphis Jug Band. The jug band featured a revolving cast, male and female. Some were nannies, cooks, mechanics, and yard men by day. These everyday folk made everyday objects sing. In the hands of the jug band, a washtub, broom handle, and string became a bass. Blowing into a clay whiskey jug took the place of a drum. Even a comb could be soloed on. They made the contents of a custodial closet sound like the circus mixed with a bachelor party. Raunchy, raucous, and fun. While the group's members, instruments, and sound changed wildly, one part of the Memphis Jug Band remained constant. Will Shade. Shade wrote songs for all crowds and occasions, from white kids' birthday parties to alleyway throwdowns. He was the group's ears and eyes. He maintained connections with the lowest dives on 4th Street and the most powerful man in Memphis. Each spring, the city boss, Mr. E.H. Crump, rented a luxury train car to carry himself and his cronies over to Hot Springs, Arkansas. They'd go for the horse races and celebrate the whole way. Crump hired Will Shade and the Memphis Jug Band to ride along and entertain. As the train rattled over the Mississippi River, Shade and the band sat up in a corner beside a table where the boss's boys rolled dice. The boss's train car gleamed like a casino on wheels, green carpet, brass fixtures, and crystal chandeliers. The boss's boys all had their flasks out like prohibition ended. The band wore matching white shirts and pants with shiny black shoes that said, At your service. They heard the dice cackle and the boys shout. They watched Mr. Crump himself stride toward the craps table. The boss was a sight. He stood well over six feet tall with his long white hair flowing. He said, Let me shoot one time for $50. Nobody ever told the boss no. He scooped up the dice, rolled a seven, and said, That's all. The boss cleaned up his money and turned to Will Shade. Crump cocked his head at the dice players and said, The trouble is they don't know when to quit. 
Shade couldn't do much more than nod and smile. He could nudge back with his music. Shade thought Mr. Crump didn't know when to quit either. The boss personally censored the local black newspapers. He monitored the activities of local black political leaders. He needed for his Negroes to behave the way he thought they should. Shade signaled the group and they struck one up. Hattie Hart belted those cocaine blues. Cocaine habits, mighty bad. It's the worst old habit that I ever had. Shade and the band clowned and reassured the crump cronies that everything was all right. Jug band didn't mean no harm. But if anyone listened up close, they might catch some more meaning. Around Beale, all-night drugstores packed cocaine in little white boxes and sold it for a nickel. Cocaine-fueled crime. Policemen found little white boxes left in holding cells and even the witness stand at city court. It didn't end there. As the song went, Since cocaine went out of style, you can catch him shooting needles all the while. Coke hurt his city, but Crump let it go. Retailers all paid their taxes to the boss, and the trade flourished. It was ancient Memphis history. Shade remembered hearing the banjo players out on Beale Street when he was a boy. I went to Mr. Lehman about half past nine, said to Mr. Lehman, I only got a dime to get my habits on, to get my habits on. I went to Mr. Lehman about half past ten, said to Mr. Lehman, I'm back again to get my habits on, to get my habits on. I went to Mr. Lehman about half past seven, said to Mr. Lehman, I'll never get to heaven with my habits on, with my habits on. Shade found out Lehman's was the drugstore that stayed open all the time for the sniffs. He was in on the joke now. Right down the block, he heard another singer on the same thing. Sniff my cocaine, sniff it by the grain. Doctor said it'd kill me, but he didn't say when. Hey, hey, honey, take a whiff on me. He rolled the words over and over in his mouth. The doctor said it'd kill me, but he didn't say when. The song felt funny and carefree, but sinister. The whole approach shaped Will Shade's view of music. He realized that a few words said right could bring a whole scene, a whole story to life. He knew in his gut that a black man had to be careful what he said and how he said it. As Shade grew up, the rest of the world around him started clicking into song. He learned that white ambulances took people to the hospital, but mortuaries ran the black ambulances. Shade heard someone say, if they pick you up, you automatically did. He listened closely to Beale Street talking. They have two drivers in there. One driver take a needle and stick it in you. Feel your pulse and say, oh, he's dead. Come on, let's take him to the morgue. And that's the end of it. Shade composed a masterpiece around the story, a piece every bit as spare and evocative as what Ernest Hemingway was writing at the same time, and just as real. Back on the train to Hot Springs, Shade knew it wouldn't be long before the boss said, play little Margie for me. The boss's favorite song, he loved that Margie, but he never got the title right. Shade delivered an announcement to the train. At this time, the jug band wished to cordially express gratitude to Mr. W.C. Handy of Broadway in New York for getting the Honorable Mr. E.H. Crump elected Emperor of the City of Memphis. 
The cronies burst into ear-splitting laughter, held their flask high, and took a deep drink. Shade had one more thing to tell Mr. Crump. Everybody on Beale Street knew Red Lawrence. Red bootlegged, gambled, and ran a speakeasy for black customers called the Bucket of Blood. Beale Street and the boss both knew Red's story. Red saw himself as an angel of vengeance after he lost his mother to a homicide, and he swore he'd honor her memory by killing no-good cheats and tramps. The street called Red something else. It all came out one night. Red gambled in a dice hall run on the riverside at Mud Island by a guy named Willie Butts and his partner called Cut Deep. A free-for-all broke out, and Red pulled his sleek silver thirty-eight. When the smoke cleared, Willie Butts lay dead, while Cut Deep nursed a badly bleeding gunshot wound through the chin. With no more fuss, Red checked himself right into jail. He stood before Judge Harsh the next morning, staring the judge in the eye, pled guilty. Judge Harsh said ten years for murdering Willie Butts and five for wounding Cut Deep. But Beale Street barely had time to rejoice before Boss cut Red loose. Will Shade knew Red was a police informant. He was the boss's eyes and ears on Beale. He turned over the names of gamblers and his competitors in the bootleg liquor business. They got sentenced to 11 months and 29 days for playing a little game or pushing a little shine, while Red got away with murder. Red filled the county farm at harvest time. Shade turned the story into his most stinging critique of the Crump regime. He framed Red's story around the old Mr. Lehman's verse structure. Like cocaine habit, an ambulance man, snitching gambler blues exposed the world Boss Crump reigned over. Now that Beale Street could talk, the boss didn't always like what it had to say. Now I hate the snitching. What's the good Lord hate the sin? If they ever give me any trouble. After snitching gambler died down, Mr. Crump sauntered his way over to the band. Shade saw the boss's eyelid fluttering. Mr. Crump stopped and stood in front of him, his bushy eyebrows bouncing. The boss looked down and said, Can you play little Margie for me? Nobody told the boss no. In a world that oppressed Will Shade's rights and suppressed his free speech, the jug band masked biting social commentary behind their raucous, carefree style. No one else had the nerve and verve to tell Mr. Crump the truth. As the train from Hot Springs chugged back into Memphis and the band collected its fee, Shade realized they'd even made the boss pay for it. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.